good morning, afternoon, or evening, wherever or whenever you are, ladies and gentlemen. This is Sports Crunch with D. Crom. I'm your host, David Cromwell. And with the 2019 NFL regular season down to its final weeks, most, if not all, 32 teams are starting to focus like a laser beam on the 2020 NFL draft. And in that spirit, we begin a new tradition here on Sports Crunch as we start our annual Dash of the Draft series in December as opposed to February. And what better person is there to help us kick off our 2020 NFL draft coverage than my man, Connor Rogers, NFL insider and co-host of the critically acclaimed Stick to Football podcast with Bleacher Report lead NFL draft analyst, Matt Miller. Welcome back to the program, Connor. How are you doing? I'm good, David. Thanks for having me, man. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks. It's always a pleasure to have your insider knowledge and analysis on this program. And let's start off with the elephant in the room in the 2020 NFL draft class. And while it's obviously a no-brainer now that uh, Joe Burrow will be the first quarterback taken, if not the first overall pick, uh, the elephant in the room remains Tua Tagovailoa and his health and his uh, impending decision to whether or not to return to Alabama for another year or to declare for the draft that based on what you're hearing what is the latest on that decision process well i think it's going to come down to medicals at the nfl combine it's kind of a wait and see for tua right now will he make that full recovery and what kind of uh prognosis will that look like going forward you know for his nfl career what are the odds of him re-injuring it those are the team the questions that teams are going to have when they look at Tua and wonder, is this a guy that we could build our future around? So I think when I look at the situation for him, it's still very up in the air. Anybody that tries to tell you different right now, they, they simply don't have the information as we wait and see how his recovery goes. Now, I, I think with this age of modern medicine, I think Tua will make a very strong comeback. I think the question with him will be the longevity thing, because let's be real, he was dealing with injuries before this, David, that teams had concerns about. So I think when you look at Tua, uh, my gut tells me that, you know, things will check out okay. Teams will always have fear long term and that he'll still be a first round pick this year if he opts to declare. Now, the question for him is, does he want to go back to school and build himself back up as a number one overall pick instead of a guy that's projected to go into the top 15? So I think it's going to be a very interesting couple months here for Tua. And fortunately for him, uh, you know, his recovery will probably line up where he'll be able to work out for teams in April. And it could make for some very interesting late draft season drama, as we're always accustomed to with quarterbacks. Oh, most definitely. And to let our listeners know, Tua has until January 20th, I believe, to decide whether to return to Alabama or to declare for the draft. And uh, let's focus on another quarterback right now that we might see down in Mobile, and that is Oregon's Justin Herbert. And let's say Tua's med checks do not come back clean for a lot of the quarterback needy teams picking in the top 15. How high can you see Oregon's Justin Herbert being taken in round one? I think he could definitely go in the top five. I think when you look at the Dolphins right now, they're going to be a team that's going to be looking at the quarterback class. They're a team that's done a lot of homework on Justin Herbert overall. I think they'll be a very interesting spot for him. So when you look at it for Herbert, teams are going to love his, his overall arm strength, his overall athleticism, his physical makeup, his height, his size, and really his ability to make every single kind of throw. Now, I think his you know, kind of melting in big moments is a big concern with Justin Herbert right now for, for many, including myself. But I think when you look at everything you're looking for in a quarterback prospect, He's a guy that, that you know, is going to check a lot of boxes for teams. And I think with this, this quarterback class that isn't really good as, as good as it was advertised in the beginning thanks to Tua's injury, it actually slides up a player like Herbert. It really does. And I think that's what's interesting about it here. So you look at this class and you have somebody like Joe Burrow that will probably go number one overall to the Cincinnati Bengals. 
And then it's really Herbert and Tua in that in that second tier of quarterbacks that'll probably go in the top 10, top 15 picks. And then you have this third tier of Jacob Eason, Jordan Love, Jalen Hurts. Jake Fromm will probably stay in school, but he would be a guy that would be in that conversation as well. So it's a very interesting group. And I think with Herbert, if anyone's capitalized off of how this group has declined, it's probably him. Oh, absolutely. And do you think he will attend the Senior Bowl at the moment based on what you're hearing? That's very up in the air. Now, I heard with Joe Burrow, if LSU hadn't made a deep run, that he was definitely in. That's up in the air now because the championship game is so close to the Senior Bowl. I think with Herbert, his season being over, essentially, it it makes it a little more likely. But it still feels very up in the air with the quarterback class. And I think Herbert's a guy that actually really needs it. Oh, I completely agree, especially with the intangibles questions based on Herbert and the leadership questions. Uh, The Senior Bowl would be an excellent opportunity for him to answer those questions in front of NFL uh, personnel men. And now let's talk about this uh, wide receiver class. And if you thought the 2014 wide receiver class with uh, Mike Evans, Odell Beckham Jr., and uh, Allen Robinson at all was epic, this exceptionally talented and deep 2020 wide receiver class has the potential to be the best in NFL history. And when you look at the very top of the wide receiver board, you could make a case for either Jerry Judy or CeeDee Lamb being the first wide receiver taken off the board. But since the NFL is falling increasingly in love with smaller, faster receivers that are a threat to take it to the house every time they touch the ball, uh, notably uh, John Ross taken in the top 10 in 2017 and Hollywood Brown last year, for example, would it surprise you if Henry Ruggs is the first wide receiver taken? It would. Now, the speed element with Ruggs will appeal to a lot of different teams. I think there's teams in this draft in the first round that do need a guy that could fly, and Ruggs is a legitimate 4-2 kind of player. But I just think when you look at Jerry Judy, he's going to run in the 4-3s, and he's such a complete player that you don't really – it'd be hard to pass on him. It really would. C.D. Lamb is somebody that will probably run in the 4-5s, but he's such a rounded out wide receiver that you have to love what he brings to the table. And I think you look at this wide receiver class, Devonta Smith is another guy at Alabama that is probably going to run sub 4-4, which is absolutely electric. So you look at this class, David, and there's guys that, sure, they might not be in Ruggs' world-class speed where you're running in the 4-2s, which is Tyreek Hill, John Ross, and not even Miko Hardman. He was a low 4-3 guy, a different level of speed. But I don't think that's enough to push him over the top where he'd be the first wide receiver taken but he has a very good chance to be a top three, top four wide receiver taken. And a lot of teams, based on the depth of this wide receiver class, have an interesting decision to make. Uh, yes, uh, Judy Ruggs and Lamb and uh, Devontae Smith, if he gets there, are, are very special talents. But there are a lot of great names to be had on day two, like uh, Devin Duvernay from Texas, Jalen Rager uh, from TCU, KJ Hamler of Penn State. There's just and so many I just can't name right now. Uh, so how many wide receivers can you see being taken in round one? Oh, it's going to be crazy when all is said and done. In round one alone, I look at it where it goes Judy, C.D. Lamb, Ruggs, Devonta Smith from Alabama, T. Higgins, LaVisca Chennault, and potentially Donovan Peoples-Jones from Michigan. That's a lot of names in round one, David. It really is. And like you said, the round two class has a lot of talent as well, whether it's Colin Johnson from Texas, Brian Edwards from South Carolina. I mean, this is a this is a pretty loaded, loaded group here. I love Hamler's speed. I really, really do. I, I think it's absolutely phenomenal. 
And I just look at how deep this class is. It makes you wonder, will some teams opt to wait instead? I think that's the question, you know, for teams like the Jets that need an offensive lineman early on in, in the draft. For teams like the Raiders, they're a team that really needs a wide receiver. But will they press in round one or will they wait? That's the kind of stuff you have to wonder here. And you look at this class, and like you said, there are so many good names across the board, so many complete players, whether it's, you know, obviously LSU has really a talented wide receiver, Florida with Jefferson there. Every team, it seems like, is bringing something to the table in this wide receiver class. And it's going to be fun to dissect all of them, go through all of this class, and just see exactly how loaded it really is. Oh, most definitely. And another position group that looks pretty good at this draft is offensive tackle. And the top two on most draft Twitter boards at the moment are Andrew Thomas from Georgia and Tristan Wirfs from Iowa. But another guy who may be making the move up to that tier is Alabama's Jedrick Wills. Dane Brugler had him as the top offensive tackle off the board in the mock draft he did last week. Can you see Jedrick Wills being the consensus top offensive tackle of this class when all is said and done? I think it's possible because you look at Wills, he's playing right tackle this year. He played right tackle last year, and that's because Alex Leatherwood is locked in at left tackle this year. Jonah Williams was at left tackle last year. I think what teams want to know is, can you kick Wills over to the left side if you need to? And I think you can. I think he's a powerhouse run blocker. I think he's very technically sound. He's a tough guy. So when you look at it, Andrew Thomas, there's going to be questions like there was about Jonah Williams overall. I think with Worfs, he's another guy that's playing on the right side, and you know, overall power will be a question mark with him. The teams are going to want to see. So when you look at it, it's interesting. I think the door is wide open for this top tackle spot. And I think Wills is a guy that has maybe the most upside out of all of them. And that's why you're starting to hear his name come up a lot more as the potential top tackle. As much as I still feel the most comfortable about Andrew Thomas, Wills would be my biggest riser at the position. And I really liked him coming into this year after watching him play alongside an offensive line that had Jonah Williams on it. I just think when it's all said and done, teams are going to love his effort against top teams in the SEC, much like they will with Andrew Thomas. And it's really going to be a pick your flavor kind of situation with these two because they each do certain things a little better than the other. And I think when it comes down to it, here's the most important point, David, both of these guys should go in the top 20 picks of the NFL draft. Yes, and uh, there are some other tackles that could be pushing their way up to the top 20 as well, uh, most notably uh, USC's Austin Jackson or Auburn's Prince Tago Wanagoa. Forgive me if I pronounced that name wrong. Uh, do you see them making a push to the top 20? It's possible. It really is. I think when you look at Prince from Auburn, he's somebody that has all of the traits to be a first-round tackle. I think you know Louisville has a gigantic tackle, and a lot of there's a lot of potential risers off of ability and, and getting through all the tape is what in interviews is what teams will want to see with these guys. When you look at Biotis from Wisconsin, he's a center that can go in the first round. Creed Humphrey's name has been mentioned in the top 50. So Trey Smith is someone from Tennessee that's playing guard right now. That's played tackle as a freshman. So it might not be the star studded class that people want, but it's a, a, ta- a class with talent where you could find starters across your offensive line. And I think a lot of people will catch on to that as we get deeper into the draft season. Oh, absolutely. I cannot wait to study more of this tackle and offensive line class in depth. And now let's go to the defensive side of the ball. And while Joe Burrow may indeed be the first overall pick, especially if the Cincinnati Bengals remain in that spot, most everybody agrees that the best prospect period in this draft is edge rusher Chase Young from Ohio State. Aside from his freakish athleticism and stellar production, what makes him so special? 
Well, I think you start with both of those things. I think you start with his football character. And I think when you look at what you want from a defensive end, he takes over games. I mean, this is the thing. This is something that Miles Garrett did. This is something that Von Miller did. I mean, he really, truly takes over games. And for people that complain about his production, they have to realize that the games where he's – it's funny to complain about his production. The guy would have had 20 sacks this year if he didn't miss two games. I think when you look at the situation for Chase Young, he's being triple teamed and double teamed. And he's the focal point of an offense and pass protection where even when he's not in the box score, he's affecting games. He's forcing quarterbacks to throw the ball away. Quarterbacks are dropping their eyes at him. He's stopping the run. Teams are running away from him. He's getting pressure on the quarterback even when he's not getting sacked. So it's crazy. Chase Young is the best player in this draft, and that's something I will not waver from. Oh, totally. And this decade, uh, I believe, in terms of the draft, has produced several Hall of Fame caliber edge rushers. You mentioned Von Miller. We also have Khalil Mack and potentially Miles Garrett could get there if he uh, matures and continues to improve his game uh, as well. How does Chase Young stack up to those other three? And uh, do you think uh, you might have a higher grade for him than any of those other three? He'll be the same as Miles Garrett for me. And I thought Miles Garrett was the best player in that draft. I, I wasn't doing this as with a grading scale when Von Miller was in the draft. I think Von's a different kind of edge rusher as well. But I think with Chase Young, he, he'll be the number one player for me and he'll have a, a, a an elite grade coming out the same as you know I had for Miles Garrett where there won't be a quarterback ranked ahead of him. There won't be any player ranked ahead of him. And he's somebody that should be an all-pro player on the level of Miles Garrett, Khalil Mack. I actually compared him to Julius Peppers. Uh, there's a little nugget for you right there where I think that's his style of play at the next level. And we saw how long Peppers dominated in the NFL. Oh, absolutely. And uh, whether it be Julius Peppers or even Javon Kurse, uh, Chase Young uh, is going to have a monster, monster NFL career. And uh, both you and I will be headed down to Mobile, Alabama for the Senior Bowl next month. Uh, God, I'm so excited. And a position group I'm very excited to watch now there is the defensive tackle group. Both South Carolina's Javon Kinlaw and Alabama's Raekwon Davis have accepted their invitations. And Auburn's Derek Brown, who's currently the cream of the crop at this position in this draft, he's expected by some to accept his as well. What makes Derek Brown so intriguing, first of all? Well, I think, once again, he's somebody that offenses have to game plan around. You look at his size and strength and his ability to move light on his feet at his size. I mean, everybody loved Quinn and Williams last year, right, and Jeffrey Simmons. And Derek Brown is somebody that's going to be billed as the best interior defensive lineman of this class, just like those guys kind of were. And I think when you look at Brown, he's been doing this for a while. A lot of these defensive linemen come out, and they're one-year wonders. Quinn and Williams was a one-year wonder. And they, they come out, and they might dominate, and you feel good about it. But you have a year of tape, or you have a year of full-time tape, and you have a year of where he's rotating in. And I think with Brown, I mean, he could have declared last year, David, and been a top 15 pick. It's truly, that's how good he is. So for him to go back to school and, and keep the demeanor that he has and dominate for an Auburn front that was very, very good, an Auburn defense that kept them in a lot of tough football games this year, I think that's going to matter to teams, and I think he's a plug-and-play player. And I know we throw that phrase around a lot for the NFL draft, but he truly is a plug-and-play player where you're putting him on the field with the ones on camp from day one, and you expect pro bowl ability from him. You really do. That's how good he should be. So for Brown, some teams might, might, might not value interior defensive line as highly as edge rusher, corner, quarterback, or left tackle. But you know what you're getting in that kind of player. And there are teams that need to bo boost up their run defense. And that's why I think when all is said and done, Brown's not going to escape the top 15. 
Oh, I have a feeling he might not even escape the top five or eight for crying out loud, man. He it's is very possible. That good. It so, is, yeah. Totally. And while I do not expect uh, the other defensive tackles to leapfrog him uh, before the draft, uh, do you think uh, Kinlaw, Davis, or anybody else at that position has a shot to at least close the gap on him before draft day? Yeah, it's a great question. The guy to watch is Javon Kinlaw because Kinlaw will be at the Senior Bowl, like you said. Brown is up in the air, and I think Kinlaw can generate a lot of hype there. When you look, So we spoke to Kinlaw on the Sick to Football podcast, and he's a very genuine guy. Uh, he's a father. He, he really has everything put together. He, he's really in, an incredible, incredibly built football player. His size, his strength, the way he moves people around. And when scouts get up close to a guy like that and see his mindset, see his athletic ability, and, and see him take on the best offensive lineman in the country at the Senior Bowl, or some of them at least, not all of them, they're going to love it. And it's going to sell them. And, and I think I'm not saying Kinlaw will go – over Derek Brown, I'm not saying he should get drafted over Derek Brown. But when you say close the gap, there could be a situation where Derek Brown goes in the top 10 and then Kinlaw goes in the top 15. Oh, totally. And uh, and just uh, to put my own perspective on this, uh, with the Broncos uh, looking like they might be picking inside or just outside of that range, uh, Javon Kinlaw, I think it will definitely be a target for them personally because uh, of what he brings to the table. That, it's a need for them. It really is. And once again, I mean, look at how well Drew, Drew Locke is playing right now where the Broncos don't have to force a quarterback pick. And you could sit there and you could be one of those teams like the Broncos that goes, hey, we'll take the best player on the board. We got lucky this guy fell to us, fell in our laps, and we feel like we got one of the safest players in the draft for a team right now, a team that could finish with seven or eight wins this year and really sit there and go, okay. We'll go into next year. We got a much better roster. We got an impact player in the draft, maybe two if they do well in another round as well. And you feel really good about what you're building over there in Denver. Oh, totally. And but for the record, any team who doesn't get Derek Brown would probably love to have Javon Kinlaw if he lights up Mobile and the pre-draft process as we anticipate. And he is Connor Rogers, ladies and gentlemen. He is the co-host of the Stick to Football podcast. You can follow him on Twitter at Connor J Rogers. And uh, just to let you know, folks, uh, Connor is not a joke. He has sources. He was among the first to sound the alarm that Cleo Mack was about to be traded two weeks before he got traded. So Connor is one of the most well-connected guys in the NFL. And if you're a football fan and if you're not following Connor, you're doing yourself a disservice. So push that follow button right now. And Connor, it is always a pleasure having you on the program. But before we let you go, we're going to ask you just one more question here. Which other position groups that we haven't covered seem strong to you as far as this 2020 draft class goes? Well, I think you look at the running back class. Let's start with that because it's going to be very hard to break down. Jonathan Taylor, uh, you know, Jonathan Taylor from Wisconsin, Travis Etienne from Clemson, Najee Harris from Alabama are just some of the top guys in this group. And J.K. Dobbins from Ohio State, Keyshawn Vaughn from Vanderbilt, who will be at the Senior Bowl. This is a very, very strong running back class. DeAndre Swift, I think, is the best one out of all of them. And I mentioned him last just now out of Georgia. So it's a strong group. If you're looking for a starting running back, you can wait till round three and get one. I truly believe that. And we talked about how good this, uh, this wide receiver class is the running back class. It it might not be on that level, but it's very close. And David, how many years do we see in the NFL draft starting running backs fall around David Montgomery last year, Alvin Kamara fell to the third round. It happens over and over again. Nick Chubb was a second-round pick. So those are some of the best running backs in football right now. So I think when you look at it, 
there's going to be a team that's going to come away with an absolute steal of this running back class because one of these guys is going to get overlooked and uh, it would be very tough making that decision in the room if you're sitting there on the board at the top of the second round and all of them are available for you because you have certain guys that have bursts to the outside that can fit in an outside zone. You have straight ahead runners that are really power players. You have some guys that are pass catchers. And I think from Najee Harris, we've seen all three. I think from Jonathan Taylor, we've seen all three. Same from DeAndre Swift. ETN isn't a great pass catcher, but he's one of the most electric runners in the country. Vaughn feels like a change of pace, home run hitting back. So this is a really, really impressive group, and I'm excited to talk about them when they all find their landing spots at the end of April. Oh, indeed, and if history teaches us another thing, a running back uh, might go undrafted and turn into a stud. We see that almost every year, so there could be a lot of guys that are currently not getting a lot of buzz that we might have to pay a little bit more attention to whether they go drafted or not uh, come April. Yeah, I would say you know a little about that with a guy like Philip Lindsay being local to you. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And, uh, Connor, thank you very much once again for joining us. And that's it for today here on Sports Crush. We'll be back with more draft coverage very soon, so stay tuned. But in the meantime, be sure to check out the episode archive as well as my blog at sportscrutch.com. And remember, that is Crutch with a K. And if you enjoy these podcast episodes, please consider leaving us an iTunes review and donating to our Patreon at patreon.com slash sportscrunch so we can improve our iTunes ranking and afford to produce even more shows with awesome guests like Connor. And you can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter at dcrom 59 For Connor Rogers, this is David Cromwell saying so long, and as usual, stay awesome.